Welcome to Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza power! That's right, when super giant pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Hey, where's my pizza? Pizza time. Welcome back to Pixel Pizza, the podcast. We are back. You just listened to a track from our chiptune artist of the week, Buddy Pal. And that was called Snail Jam. And now we are back with a new guest this week. I'm very excited to be speaking with this guy. He's the director of the upcoming pixel art beat-em-up called Pizza Kid. And this is Colin Venuto. How you doing, Colin? Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you again, Jared. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Uh, I like to start off by asking, when in your life did you know you wanted to work in games? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I want to say it's something that has sort of always been in my mind but something that I always thought was not practical mm. um, just due to, due to the complexity of making a game. Never really thought that it was something that I could do um, until more recently. I want to say in the last several years, um, probably more when I had, when I had kids, huh? like I felt very optimistic about being able to make a game. And I think just the, the desire to want to create something that's so unique in a way, um, just different from what I what I was playing with my kids, um, and I I have a background of, you know, being a designer and uh, a product designer and a visual artist, illustrator. Mm. Um, I just kind of thought it was it was a uh, it was time, you know. Let's. I thought to myself, let's make a game. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but, what kind know, of products yeah. did you design? Oh wow! I I actually designed records and Ooh, CDs and awesome. uh, yeah, vinyl vinyl records for those who may not be familiar. Sorry. Um, so vinyl records, compact discs, CDs. Um, also, t-shirts, hats, like clothing apparel. Yeah, I had a. I actually ran a, a an independent record label for a while, for about That's so fifteen cool. years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What thanks. kind of musicians did you work with? Uh, believe it or not, mainly um, sampling producers, people mm -hmm. who you know sample records. Um, oh, sure. I guess I guess a combination of DJs, uh, you know, MCs, people who rhyme, uh, and I want to say jazz musicians. Believe it or not. Wow, that's that's an yeah, interesting mix. Yeah, there's a there's a really nice musical scene out in Philadelphia. And uh, I knew a, a bunch of different musicians from, uh, you know, networking. And there were some really cool people that I met along the way. And I, uh, I just, you know, I basically asked them, would you be interested in recording a jazz album or, you know, whatever uh, drum? Believe it or not, we recorded just straight drum tracks sometimes. Oh, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> Sounds odd. No, if no. you're not familiar with music. Yeah. If, if you're not familiar with music production and the process, then you may not. Yeah, it may not sound that, that interesting. But the whole concept of recording music and making music using sampling, uh, the root of that music comes from drum tracks. And we actually put out a bunch of original uh, drum albums or drum recordings for DJs and producers to use as sample materials. So that was pretty cool. I did a bunch right. of that stuff also. Yeah. So anyway, back to the game. 
uh, yeah, no, I mean, did those connections that you had built help when like thinking about the game soundtrack? Oh, absolutely. So the one artist that I worked with, uh, Kevin Ripley, he is also from Philly and he was in a group called Ill Delta and they were based out of like central Philadelphia down center city. And they were all friends with people I knew. Um, it's a, a trio actually. If you look them up in YouTube, you or or uh, I want to say Bandcamp. It's I L L D E L T A Ill Delta. They had a trio and they did a lot of sort of hybridized uh, jazz and electronic sound. And it was for the time it was very unique. And Kevin uh, Kevin was friends with my brother, my younger brother, who's also a musician. And they all, believe it or not, lived in Doylestown, PA. Mm. And they all play music in the same kind of circuit. And uh, so anyway, I met Kevin through through those guys. And um, Kevin has a unique sound, I think. It's very, very ambient, very abstract, but very rhythmic because he's a drummer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, he's also, uh, he plays synth, synth music. He also, you know, composes and uh, he plays with a lot of different musicians. And his wife is, uh, I believe, is an opera singer, like a Whoa. fairly, fairly uh, renowned opera singer and also uh, head of the music department at Temple University, I believe. Huh. Um, so 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 they collaborate also. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, shout out to Naja. That's his wife. Uh, uh-huh. she's very talented also, and they've done material together. So yeah, Kevin Ripley is, is very important in this project because believe it or not, a lot of the visuals that I created for the game was, uh, inspired by the music because oh. the music was done before the game was done. That's really interesting. That's, that's a, that's a unique yeah. process. It is. It's very, very, uh, unconventional in a way. Did you like give him a vibe or any specific instructions or about like how how the music you wanted it to sound or was it more coming from his existing yeah. music? Yeah, so in some cases absolutely. I I did have a I did have a specific direction. Um but believe it or not, there were there were tracks that he was working on that I was aware of that um I just heard and I just started to visualize this entire world that I started building in my head. As I was listening to his music, I was like imagining mm. these different worlds and these different areas of the levels um, that I sort of visualized. And it kind of all started coming together. And the creatures that I was creating, these monsters, they were all inspired by the music. And, oh, wow. um, and, and so he had a lot of the music done already. And it wasn't for the game. Um, he just had music sitting around in like a hard drive, you know? So he was like, Hey, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to pick through this stuff and see if it's useful, you know, here you go. And of course I, I would compensate him. Um, and then he would say, you know, use, use what you think you can use and whatever you don't want to use is whatever. Um, but then of course I hired him as, as the months went on, I, I started to realize I needed certain specific you know, types of music. So that's when we would uh, have a, a brief discussion about what I was looking for. I would send them samples of, of different artists that I liked at the time. And, you know, uh, kind of just went from, from there. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I guess cool. to rewind a sure. little bit sure. for our audience who doesn't know mm-hmm. in your own words, how, how would you tell them what pizza kid is? Okay. <laughs> So Pizza Kid is heavily inspired by, I want to say, 90s, the 1990s arcade action games, uh, mainly the beat-em-up genre. Are you familiar with the beat-em-up genre at all? You specifically? Oh, very. Okay. Yes. No. Okay. Some people may not be. Okay. So. Sure. Yeah. So beat-em-up game is basically an action game where your hero is sort of traveling through a level in a usually in a lateral left to right motion or up and down. And uh, they're just, you know, battling hordes of enemies until you reach the end where you fight a boss. 
and you eventually defeat the boss, you get your, uh, your bonus and then you move on to the next level. Um, but anyway, um, pizza kid is, is basically that it's a beat em up at, you know, at the true, uh, well, the true heart of, at the heart of the game, it is, uh, it is an action game, but it's also inspired by fighting games that I played growing up. And, uh, I want to say it has its own unique aesthetic and um, it, it, it has a lot of flavor visually and also sonically. Um, the game, again, is because it's inspired by the arcade and the arcade experience that I grew up with as a kid. Um, I wanted to share that with younger the younger generation, not just mm -hmm. my own children, but younger folks, maybe you know, people who are 20 and younger, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty interesting story. It, it's not, it's not like, uh, it's unique in its own way visually, but also, you know, it sort of follows the standard convention of, of a beat em up, you know, uh, you have a specific move set and you can chain, uh, attacks together and create combos earn bonus points you know you fight all kinds of unique enemies which we haven't quite gotten to yet but we have designed them all we do have character sheets we have probably 30 or so enemies uh the, wow. the game the game is comprised of eight levels and uh yeah it's 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 a it's a cool concept i, I don't want to give away too much because we do have a comic sure. um i want people to play it and just get their, you know, sort of be, in, be surprised, I guess you could say, you know, by something that they didn't expect. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, thinking about it, I've looked at my podcast analytics and I do have a, mm -hmm. a big chunk of people in that 20 and younger range and they probably don't know what a beat-em-up is. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, cool. Cool to reintroduce that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, with the with the reemergence of beat em ups uh, like Streets of Rage 4, oh, um, sure. you know, Sh Shredder's, Shredder's Revenge, Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtles, um, you know, Mayhem Brawler. There's, there's a number of them. I mean, Castle Crashers is huge. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, there's so many. I mean, my personal favorites are from the late nineties, early two thousands, which is like the advent of, of beat em ups. Um, all mm -hmm. the, the games made by Konami, Capcom, you know, um, Neo Geo SNK. Right. Uh, you know, Sunsoft, they had some pretty cool ones. Uh, yeah, but so, <laughs> so yeah, like it's, it's a science, believe it or not, it is a science fiction story. It has a post pandemic, mm. post apocalyptic uh, overtones or undertones. I'm not really sure which. <laughs> they're they're there and uh the story was inspired by the actual pandemic that occurred with you know covid a lot of that sure. is is uh i drew inspiration from that so that was there and then of course you know my 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 childhood and my kids they inspired the game and my love for pizza <laughs> of course yeah yeah right i love who doesn't love pizza yeah, exactly. You're you're on the right podcast for that one. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that was something I wanted to ask. Is sure. I mean, I noticed in some of the gameplay, like part of it does take place in Philly, and so what, like, inspiration have you drawn from your own time living there, uh, from yeah. your own life into the game? Yeah. So again, uh, being from Philly, I grew up in the city. So I experienced a lot visually and culturally, you know, with the music, the art, mm. um, and the fact that I attended art school in Center City in South Philadelphia. Um, I just kind of drew inspiration from the environments and the, the things that I remember. And <clears throat> also drawing inspiration from the way the city is now and how I feel about it. Um, I wish it was you know, a little, a little safer, cleaner. There are certain yeah. things, certain aspects of Philly that I wish 
were improved uh, upon, and, and maybe they still are working on that. But, I mean, Philly's got a great mix of people, and it, overall it has a great vibe. And I wanted to pay homage to the city just by, you know, I believe it or not, originally, I'm still not sure. I'm still on the fence about this. I'm not sure about the usage of that, of the, of using the city of Philadelphia in the game. So mm. we actually spell Philadelphia F H I L A like Philadelphia, you know, like, oh. so it's purposely misspelled it just to avoid <laughs> any, any issues, but I'm not sure about sure. How, how to get away with that. So I may not be able to use the actual city of Philadelphia in the game. So we will, that title or, or that, you know, that level may have to change, but we'll see. Right. I remember, of course, yeah. mm-hmm. final fight uh, yes. was obviously New York, but they called it Metro City, I think. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, you know, there may be some legality there where, you, you know, some restrictions and uh, I'm not sure yet. We'll have to figure that out as as we progress further into the game development. But, yeah, I purposely misspelled Philadelphia just to avoid <clears throat> any issues. Um, so hopefully we'll get we'll get by with that. <laughs> yeah. And that also gives you the flexibility to more set it in your own reality. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fictional universe. It wasn't meant right. to be, you know, a, an actual reflection or a literal reflection of of the city of Philadelphia. <clears throat> but, you know, because, excuse me, because the city is, you know, in some in some cases in a dire state in certain areas, um, you know, and, and in, in the game, in the story, it's it's a post apocalyptic post pandemic um, environment, which typically is, you know, it's in ruins, you know, so it's being overrun by, by monsters created by Santos Corp, which is also a fictional corporation, you know, evil corporation, which is a great trope to have in any, any beat em up. I just wanted to avoid the whole, you know, (laughs) you know, uh, good cop, you know, rescuing the kidnapped, you know, daughter or sister or whatever. Yeah, sort of a, yeah. yeah, sort damsel of in distress. Yeah, so. the damsel in distress. Yeah, it's been overdone, I think. And for sure. No disrespect to anybody making games like that, but that right. just wasn't for us. Uh, I wanted to for try sure. to explore other options. So yeah, yeah. Evil corporation angle never stops being timely. Sadly, <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> the old Phineas and Ferb. Do you remember that? cartoon i i never watched that show i oh, never really? did yeah no. my kids used to watch it so that was, right that's funny yeah it's it's pretty nice standard yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah i guess then moving on to the visual art of the game i think it's really interesting how you've done the lighting and the character design and i mm-hmm. guess how have you been working to make it aesthetically stand out from other pixel art games, other retro inspired games out there? Uh, Well, I have to, I guess I have to um, sort of pay respect to the, the the lead pixel artists in that regard. Um, So Rennie, Rennie uh, is our pixel artist, Rennie Espinoza. He is phenomenal. He's, he's a lead artist, uh, a lead pixel artist and animator. And he just designs these beautiful pixel art pieces and has a very unique style uh, that is un- unlike, you know, the, the mainstream pixel art, I guess you could say, as far as mm-hmm. the, the sort of lo-fi, you know, 8-bit slash 16-bit, um, you know, genre of pixel art. Uh, I guess basically um again I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I was definitely inspired by the the neo Geo era in that uh I wanted to make a game that had slightly higher quality pixel art just to to make it I guess I was I was looking for a, a hybrid of the two of, of I don't know if I'm sure you are familiar but a lot of a lot of modern pixel, not pixel art games, sorry. 
a lot of modern games in general are actually made with vector art and and oh. animated yeah they're animated with vector um or or they're or they're created you know in in photoshop or whatever clip studio or whatever the mainstream you know software is or, or commercial software being used uh for for a game creation process um we're using yeah we're using a sprite if for all you pixel artists out there i'm sure they're familiar with a sprites kind of the industry mm -hmm. standard um we just wanted to go with something that's a little bit I guess higher resolution than a standard, you know, that 16-bit error, even though it is kind of 16-bit. I didn't really know how to classify it, but I would say it, it falls in line more with like a 16-bit aesthetic. Um, and we we just we just experimented really. I I, uh, I use a lot of inspiration from the 90s, uh, like Mike Mignola, Hellboy. Uh, oh the yeah, the Dark Horse comic. You know, the Dark Horse, uh, that error was, sure. was a heavy inspiration visually. Um, and uh, my my love for anime and manga, uh, those are also heavily inspiring. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't really, I don't have like a specific, you know, reason for why we designed it the way we did. It just, like I said, it was more experimental. And we just kind of stumbled on it. I thought, let's let's hybridize the style of pixel art and let's let's try to reinvent how pixel art can be used in a game, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's great. And I mean, yeah, touching on yeah. we we're talking about the Neo Geo. I feel like they did stuff that was like it was more detailed, but also more grotesque. You didn't see stuff like that yeah. where it could get like body yeah. horror. Violent. Oh yeah, oh yeah. With Samurai Showdown, Samurai exactly. Spirits. Samurai yeah. Showdown, Metal Slug, Metal Slug. Yep. Yeah, those those games were limited by the you know by the power of the Neo Geo at the time. I believe they classified it as a thirty. Was it twenty four bit? I think, but it was actually. Maybe. I think they said it was actually a sixteen bit system with dual hmm. processors or something like that. I don't know. I know that um, they had an amazing color palette. And the yeah. fact that they were using cartridges that were, I think some of them exceeded like 800, 800 megabytes or something like that. Like they got pretty high later on. The Megashock oh, wow. series. For the 90s, that's huge. Yeah, they, they got, well, I think it was more like in the early 2000s. They were really pushing like between like 600 and 800 megabytes, I believe. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I definitely remember the cartridges were very expensive. Oh, yeah. You know, hundreds of dollars. Three, four hundred dollars for a game. But yeah, they have beautiful palettes. Um, the designers were amazing. And similar, the, the cool thing about that era was the, was the constant, you know, battle between Capcom and Neo Geo or SNK. Mm -hmm. They were always trying to one-up each other. And I think that was hugely important in the progression of the of the games that I grew up with. Like that genre of, you know, beat-em-up and fighting game. You know, those were, they were constantly just one-upping each other. Every Every new release, it was like, wow, the visuals got better and better. The animation was, the quality was better. You know, it was, it was just, it was a fantastic time to be a young kid, you know, in my oh, for sure. late, late <laughs> teens. Yeah. So, I can imagine. Yeah. So back to your question, um, if you don't mind, was there something I mix, missed? <laughs> no, not that okay. I can think of. Okay. I've, <laughs> I, I, from I what I can recall, yeah, I'm sorry. my question. <laughs> I'm trying no, not, all good. All good. Trying not to go too far off track here because, you know, there's a lot and, uh, you know, I'm not, it's not something I do frequently. Interviewing is, is a new thing to me. So I apologize <laughs> Don't if, worry I'm not, about it. Yeah, if I'm not uh, keeping it entertaining enough for you. <laughs> hey, I mean, hopefully, you know, the game takes off. You, this is yep. good practice. You'll get in yeah. lots more interviews. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. For sure. And I mean, something that I know 
for a lot of people, and even for me sometimes, about beat-em-ups is that they can be really punishing. Uh, Mm -hmm. especially, Absolutely. you know, when they were trying to get all the quarters out of you in the arcade. Mm And so how are you balancing in terms of the difficulty because making it simple and accessible, but giving it a challenge when it needs it? -hmm. We, so I'm, again, I'm going to, I'm drawing inspiration from those, those more difficult brawlers, uh, the quarter, we, we say quarter munchers, the games, Mm-hmm. games that would, would just eat up quarters, final fight being one of the biggest Oh, early yeah. on. Before before people discovered the uh, there is there was a cheat I believe where you can where you can punch in the opposite direction of an Oh. of an enemy and then turn around and attack you sort of use I don't know the technical terms for it but there is a a way you can sort of break the game almost like a hack in a way um, but yeah you can sort of hack the game and and spam it but uh, yeah. The, I would say that we're, again, we're going to draw inspiration from games like uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, um, Sekiro from, you know, from software. Okay. That's going to be a, yeah, believe it or not, like we're not, I'm not trying to create a conventional beat-em-up. I want to make something more unique that offers a new experience for, you know, novices, but also experienced players. And I think we want to make the game challenging, um, but balanced so that it's not like overly punishing and, Right. you know, unfair. I think we'll, we'll probably be able to balance the game more later on when we have more of the, of the design completed. Um, but yeah, I think one thing we discussed was offering like an arcade mode so that the game could either, I guess, be more difficult or easier. I wasn't sure what we were thinking, but I have to, I have to go back into my notes. Maybe like a, a debug mode where you can just like alter the complexity or difficulty of the game. Maybe a hack or something. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm not opposed to any kind of cool, cool little nuances in the game, you know, anything that would make it more interesting to the player. Um, I'm pretty Totally. open. Lots of little Yeah, I'm options pretty open. you can add. Absolutely. So, yeah, just to keep the game balanced, I think uh, a good rhythm is important. Being that I have a background in music also, I think, Yeah. I think rhythm in gaming is very important. So I'm using that as, as a uh, basis for my construction and design in the game. So like maybe a level... You start off in the beginning, you, you kind of give the player a feel for the game and let them explore their options. And, you know, maybe it's maybe there's areas where it's a little more difficult, but then we kind of let them have a little more free reign and feel like they're overpowered a little bit. And then maybe they're like, wow, this this is this one area is a little difficult. But I think that, you know, we want we want them to keep replaying. But going back to your original question, um, there is no continue in the game. So you, when the game's over, you start over again. <laughs> so there's no, you don't re, uh, you don't um, respawn or anything like that in the game. Mm. Oh, wow. So we may introduce, Like you go back to the very beginning if you well, if you you can, run out of sorry, lives or die let, or whatever. yeah, let me, let me, let me rephrase. I'm sorry. So you, you would start back at the beginning of the level, the last level that you completed. So if you finish Oh, okay. level three and you're on to level four and you, you, you die, then you would just continue at level four. Oh, Um, that yeah, that, that something makes like sense. that. Yeah. Okay. And that could change. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> For we'll, sure. we'll, we'll figure it out, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, you will. Uh, so I think now is probably a good time for us to go to a musical break for the episode. Uh, Okay, so cool. call and stay right there. Sure. We're going to be hearing another track from Buddy Pal, and that is called Bikers. So enjoy that, and we will see you guys soon.
Welcome back to the Pixel Pizza Podcast. You just listened to Bikers by Buddy Pal, and now we are back with Colin of Pizza Kid. And Hello. the next question I wanted to ask, hi, was that, you know, I've looked through the trailers, I've looked through the details about the game. I want to know, like, where's the pizza angle? Where does pizza come into this? I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves to ask that question. Yeah, so there is, there is pizza, I promise. In the game, now you have to remember something. <clears throat> so this kid, he's 14 years old. He works at his family's pizza shop. The world is literally in ruins. So it it takes place sort of spontaneously. Yeah. The game is not game is about a, a young man's quest to save his family to save. Mm. So it's like he kind of wants to save his his family. He wants to save his his pizza shop. That's where the pizza comes in, and because it's very special to him, it's his mother's pizza shop. Um, you know, he he's trying to figure out what's going on. Why is the city under siege? You know, why is it overrun by? these alien-like monstrous creatures and what's going on. So he wakes up in the middle of almost like a war zone. Ooh. And again, not, not giving away too much uh, because I do have a comic book series for this game. So there is a companion um, comic that will unveil nice. more of the, the game's background story and the lore behind the characters so you will, for your readers, or I'm sorry, for your listeners out there, mm-hmm. they will eventually, you know, understand what's going on. I, I, I promise. So the pizza is there in the game. Believe it or not, if you look Good. at one of the most recent, look, check out one of the more recent posts on, on our Twitter. Um, there are some video clips that are out there now where there are hidden pizzas as pickup items in the game that will restore your oh. health. So... We have pizzas, we have burgers, we have all that fun stuff. Um, Good. But that that kind of, you know, I guess I could go into a whole other story with how we made the game or why we made the game. But that maybe that's for another podcast. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. No, it does. Now, I'm just curious to know, like, what's the lore of you're in this post-apocalypse war zone? How's his mom getting all the ingredients for the pizza? Is he, she's smuggling them in from out of state lines or what's going on there? <laughs> so the cool thing is, is like they, okay, so the pandemic occurred. The pizza shop is like your, it's like your sanctuary. That's where, I don't know if you recall, but like during COVID, there were only so many places that were open and, oh, and totally. businesses businesses had to remain open some of the family businesses had to still continue to offer you know food and provide food to the neighbors and you know the the people in the neighborhood and um i wanted to to kind of share that experience with people in a sense not so not so much literally but more figuratively like by by sort of suggesting it that this pizza shop is like the beacon of hope it's sort of a savior, like a safe spot. And um, this all this all happened before the the war, before the 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 uh, the apocalypse or whatever you want to call it. That mm-hmm. was caused that was caused by Santos Corporation. So they they actually caused this mass explosion, and uh, all these creatures they sort of ran rampant all throughout the city. Um, as a result of Santos Corps um, trying to also help people recover, they were using cloned cloned animals and and providing food that was cloned, and oh. that's what what turned all the humans into these creatures as a as a sort of side effect that was mm-hmm. uh, detrimental to the you know to these people. And so again, um, just backtracking real quick. Originally, the game was supposed to use only like natural and organic ingredients, and the game was supposed to be a health game, a health food game. <laughs> Believe it or not, 
so we changed yeah we 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 changed the story up quite a bit um because i sounds like it i asked my children do you think this game would be interesting it was about health food and they were like absolutely not no so i was like okay (laughs) i thought i was like yeah doing something cool you know with kids that was one of the questions i wanted to ask was like how how have your kids helped with the development of the game have you like focus tested it with them or what kind of input have you gotten Oh, yeah. So the cool thing is my children, yeah, they're like in-house game testers. And not only that, not only my children, but the neighborhood kids, like their friends come oh, wow. over and we get a lot of feedback from the kids in the neighborhood. When, when my kids have their friends over, they're like, hey, you want to check out my dad's game? And, you know, they'll check it out and give us feedback. And we've had some, I mean, hey, when a kid, when a, when a nine-year-old kid comes to your house you know friends with my kids and they're like all gathered around the tv they're all playing the game and they're occupied for over an hour playing one level i mean it's kind of cool you know it's kind of interesting because they're they're trying to discover new moves we've given we've given the main character the protagonist so many moves that allows the players to be so free and expressive with the way in which they they battle these monsters and these creatures that was the that was sort of the intention of the game. A more expressive combat than what, you know, mm-hmm. most people are used to in beat 'em ups where, you know, the combos are like canned combos where you just hit one, right. one punch, one, you know, one kick, a jump, and then a couple special attacks. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's where the whole pizza thing comes into play. But, you know, they actually, so again, back to your question, I'm sorry. The reason why they can actually source ingredients um, during a, a post-pandemic or whatever uh, is because she actually grows her own. Um, oh, Pizza awesome. Kids Pizza Shop is located on a city farm. Huh. So that was something I really wanted to put into the game because when I was growing up, um, farming in the city was kind of a, like an up-and-coming thing. Oh really? They were trying to yeah, they were trying to utilize spaces within the city like for for like areas to designate them as like farm farmable land, I guess you could say. Like it's pretty cool. And I think they I think that's something that's like really important to me. I would like to see more local like city farms uh at least for growing crops and fresh vegetables for people in the city that may not have totally. access to those types of things. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, there's actually a level in the game where you play on the, there's a wheat field. And in the wheat field, it's actually the back, it's like it faces the back side of the pizza shop, which would be hmm. seen in the distance. But I don't want to give away too much of that. There are concept pieces on our Discord, and people should check out our Discord and, and join our Discord if, if they want. And learn a lot more about the game Absolutely. that way. Mm-hmm. And then I was curious to know, mm-hmm. uh, I know I saw on your Twitter that uh, when you were at PAX, you had a whole pitch book you brought mm-hmm. uh, to show publishers. And yes. like when you were sort of coming up with that pitch book, what do you think were like the most critical things to explain the game and show publishers what makes it special? Um, I would say... I wanted to exemplify the uniqueness of the game and you know it's it's visually uh, I would say unique comparing it to other games in that genre um I think it was important to express the design like the overall aesthetic of the game so I was sure to include background art and um actual pixel art of of the sprites and I think the book in its entirety and the way it's designed is, is sort of a, a, an extension of the game's design. Mm. It all, it all works together. It's all cohesive and, you know, and it, it flows together. Um, I just wanted to, you know, create something that was very clean and presentable. And again, coming from, I'm a, I'm a designer by trade. So as a senior designer, and a visual artist, I wanted to just be able to go to PAX, meet with publishers face to face, 
I wanted to leave them something that was like tangible, um, something that was more memorable than just dropping off a business card or giving yeah. them a sticker and saying, Hey, check out our, you know, our, our webpage. Like that doesn't, I, I don't, I don't know if that works as well. Um, I think it's important to, uh, there's a human aspect, you know, that I want to maintain and preserve. Sure. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm still a big supporter of physical games and physical gaming. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's not a knock on anybody who prefers digital because my, one of my good friends, my best friend, one, uh, he is a big proponent of digital gaming. And I just, I come from the old school where physical games are important and I like to buy and trade and sell, you know, and I think physical games have intrinsic value that digital does not. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just like to preserve the physical aspect. So again, physical presentation is really important, at least from, from my perspective as a designer, it's something that I really value. It's, it's something special. I think when you can, hold something there's mm -hmm. about yeah a, a meaning to that you don't get when you even though like digital is super convenient it's, absolutely it can be a little annoying to go grab a game from your shelf open the disc put it in eject oh the yeah other one put it in its own <laughs> box but exactly. there's still something something yeah, cool I, about having your own little library of games I, yeah and you know what's funny about that is i would love for the industry to move forward with that and and make it so that when you purchase a physical copy of any game, you automatically own the digital copy, which is mm. what, which is what the Blu-ray industry has done. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, when you buy a Blu-ray disc or when you used to, now it's like, what, 8K? They're up to 8K movies. Um, oh, are they? Yeah, some crazy like That's that. That's um, When you buy a Blu-ray disc, you would get the Blu-ray, you would get the DVD, you would also get the digital download. So why is the industry not giving gamers access to physical games and digital games simultaneously? And the fact that now you have blockchaining, I'm not a fan of NFTs personally. No, no. I was never no. a fan of it. I don't believe in, you know, ones and zeros having actual value. But yeah, again, not to anybody who's into that. <laughs> Only their thing, I get it. But um, I would, I would prefer that the industry move forward with offering people the option for physical and digital companions, and that they can work well together. So that a physical copy of the game, think about it like this: when you have physical money, you can take that money, put it in the bank, and now it becomes digitized. But you can also take that money out; it's interchangeable. With a yeah. digital game, why can't we have a physical copy and have a digital? And and all they have to do is just restrict usage of it. So once you break that license, once you no longer own the physical, because all you would have to do is in, you would just load your physical copy into your console every once in a while just so it can maybe run like a 30-day check or whatever, 15-day yeah. check and say, all right, the game's still valid. You know, they still have access to their digital files. I don't know. I just, I, again, I grew up in the era where you, you bought physical stuff. You bought, you know, police quest, police quest two <laughs> for, for, uh, for the old school people. If they, if they know police quest, that was a great game. Um, but you would buy the, you would buy computer games at the store. You would get three, you know, floppy disks. You would load them onto your computer. You would take those disks and you would put them back in the box and you would always load the digital version of the game. And you always had the backup. So if you ever wanted to sell it, you could. And, mm. and you know, in the industry, I feel like, especially in the secondhand industry, I feel like gamers respect one another enough that if they continue to, to show that they value physical, that we can still, you know, preserve the physical industry. Because I think it's super important. And much respect to all those manufacturers out there like limited run games and oh yeah all those guys that are still preserving the physical manufacturing of games i think that's amazing and i uh, sure. i welcome it so yeah so uh, that was all my questions thank you so much sure. for your time colin uh i mean i do have one more question of course sure. 
Sure. This is the Pixel Pizza Podcast. You are the pizza kid. Where mm -hmm. is your favorite pizza place? Oh, I, I always say uh, Jules. Jules Thin Crust Pizza. Ooh. And, and they have a location, I believe, in California. Are you in L.A.? Oh, no kidding. Yes, that's where I am. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah California. I believe there's a Jules Thin Crust, if you look it up. So it's J-U-L-E-S. Jules Thin Crust Pizza is our family's favorite. It's a very light, multiple ingredients, all varieties, all types. But hey, uh, just wanted to real quick, if you don't mind, say, you know, thanks to the entire Pizza Kid team. And, oh, uh, yeah. you know, developer Slime, um, Morty, the sound engineer, sound effects designer, who's incredible. Renny, incredible animator. Um, Ovianda, amazing illustrator. Um, Ellie, character sheet designer. She's amazing. Helps me out with planning the game. And uh, Calvin, uh, Beto Chavez, Carlos, everybody, my family. I'm grateful to everybody who's who's helped us out to this point. And I thank you, especially for having me on the podcast. Oh, no, no, it's nothing compared to what, what all those talented <laughs> folks did. Oh, well, you're a contributor, you know, you're helping me uh, uh, right. fulfill my vision. So I, I thank you. I'm, I'm glad. Thank and shout you. out to everybody in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, woo. Yeah. That's, right. that's it. All right, cool. Thank cool. you. So, yeah, thank you so much right, for Jared. joining me. Thank uh, you. Where can people keep track of you in the game before before you head off? Uh, can yeah, am I allowed to uh, mention? Yeah, plug plug okay. away. Please. Okay, so yeah, please uh, check us out. Obviously on uh, Steam, please wish list the game uh, Pizza Kid. You know, if you search it on Steam, you'll find the demo. It's an early prototype. It's still very very raw, um, but that's hugely important to us. And uh, check us out on Twitter, obviously, at Kid Pizza. And I'm sure Jared will have a link yep. with the posting. Um, www.pizzakid.com. And that's kid with two Ds. And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think where else. Oh, Discord, of course. That's a little harder to share because you don't get an actual domain. But I'm sure if you search... You know, on Twitter, you can find our Discord. We're always posting. And uh, we'll probably have links right. that I can send you. So, yeah. Yeah, I, thank think, you. I think you sent me the link so I can repost okay. that. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank and you. Of course. All right, great. cool. cool. So, we'll head off now. And we're going to have one more track from Buddy Pal. And that is called Nowhere in Sight. So, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care.